Welcome to Bow Talks, a podcast by Banking on Women, which is a student society at the University of Melbourne. We are dedicated to empowering, educating and encouraging our members in the financial and professional services industries. Bo would like to respectfully acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulon Nations, who are the traditional custodians of this land, on which we will be recording this podcast on. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We're in conversation with Katie Harrell today. Um, she's the Associate Director at the University of Melbourne for Procurement Operations, and um, she's been working for the university for the past five and a half years. And I've had the pleasure of working with Katie over the past three months as her fresh intern. And um, Katie's had a very interesting career shift from um, starting from um, pursuing exercise and sports science and then on to anthropology. And here she is uh, being a director at finance and procurement um, for over 10 years, Katie? How long? I think I've been in procurement for like 15 years. Not to give my age away, but (laughs) too long, I think. Yeah, that's great. So um, the theme for our podcast today will be um, that it's all good to not finish off with what you've started. And um, Katie is one of the biggest examples and role models I've met in my life for that. So yeah, let's get on with it. Um, just start off by talking a little bit about yourself um, about 15 to 20 years ago. <laughs> not assuming your age again. <laughs> um, but yeah, how is teenage Katie like? Let's just break the ice. Uh, well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for the introduction. Who was Katie 15 to 20 years ago? Um, probably in lots of ways the same Katie that you're talking to today, still trying to figure things out. Yeah not necessarily having a clear or direct path. I know lots of people have three, five, ten-year plans. I've never been that kind of person. I've always wanted to pursue things that interest me, uh, things that I find interesting. Um, I was, in my final years at school, so into sport. I didn't think that anything else existed. Um, But I do remember that I gave the person at school the the timetabling, scheduling person an absolute nightmare because I did split arts and science. So I did like PE at A-level. I went to school in the UK, if you can't tell from my accent. Um, I did English and French, but I also did biology and PE. So a lot of people kind of narrow down yeah. even at kind of 17, 18. I obviously refused to do that from yeah. an early age and it would appear that I have continued that into my professional banking career. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I've just had little um, hints and drops about you anyway. You mentioned this, that I was like a naughty teenager. <laughs> Who has been telling you this information? <laughs> I was so diligent. I remember uh-huh. reading school reports saying that Katie's such a diligent student. Uh-huh. I was a prefect. I was uh, head of netball. I was captain of like lots of things. I was like a nerd. Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally. Um, yeah, I just gotta say that Katie's um, has a really nice sense of humor. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll be able to project some of that during our convo. Yes, never um, take life too seriously. I think is yeah. an example of how I've also chosen to live my life. Yeah. Hmm. Um, cool. So, um, going off with that, so mm-hmm. now we know that you were 
definitely disposed mm. by the end of high school. Um, what sort of made you choose anthropology um, into higher studies? It is uh, an interesting path. So I originally went to university to do sport and exercise science. My mum is a careers advisor, yeah. or was a careers advisor until she um, retired. And so she desperately tried to get me to pick a subject at school that would be more universally recognized when I graduated. Um, at 17, I decided that I knew better yeah. and that I would pursue sport and exercise science. Uh, the way that they structured the course at the university I went to, I didn't enjoy how they were going to do the final year. And yeah. so I decided that I was going to change course. So I'd already done two full years. <laughs> of sport and exercise science that yeah. essentially all that was left to do was to do my kind of final project and graduate however yeah <laughs> I decided uh, that it wasn't something I wanted to graduate um, with in the end and so the story that I tell is not quite the truth is I picked up the university perspectives and I only got to A and picked anthropology oh. <laughs> in the oh. alphabet. Oh, that's a um, but, Yeah, I can remember you saying that <laughs> But it's not quite as true as that. But um, yeah. I've always really been interested in people yeah. and the the study of sport and exercise science I guess is people moving yeah. and then anthropology is just kind of people and their behaviours the structure of society and culture and stuff so I guess they're more complementary than potentially you think but that question was asked in every single interview I've been to for probably the first 10 years of my career like how on earth did you end up in anthropology how did that then lead to procurement yeah because, um, yeah, there's not an obvious segue, I don't yeah. think, to... Anyone? No. Yeah. No, yeah. including myself. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Um, what were some of the um, thought processes you had? Not that you recall, maybe not anything in particular, mm. but um, like while you were doing anthropology, because clearly you made quite the deviation. Mm. Um, so if you could sort of share the kind of thought processes you were going through that probably potentially would have led you to not pursuing anthropology after you graduated? Um, let me answer by asking the question back to you. When you graduate with a degree in anthropology, what do you think your options are? Yeah, interesting. Um, I've got a lot of friends from uni that have gone on to do amazing work, more in the kind of humanitarian aid oh, yeah. uh, sectors and um, NGOs, not-for-profits. All of that work is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I decided that I wasn't kind of done learning and I wanted to go on a grad scheme. Yeah. Um, and so the, the process began of just applying to quite literally anyone and everyone. And then the, the grad scheme that I ended up on was for a huge global bank. And I think I got it because I was an arts student. Oh, yeah. Um, not someone who had studied finance or economics. Like, I, I wouldn't say that I was like a mercy hire or anything, but I'm sure that there's some kind of diversity quota. Um, because there were only three of us who had come from arts degrees on the program. Um, but yeah, I knew I wanted to do a training program. I didn't necessarily want to commit to doing. Uh, just one career straight after leaving university so I thought a training program would be an excellent place to start and then of the training program um, they gave me a list of kind of all of the departments that I could choose and when I read the write-up the procurement department had like world-class accreditation 
and they had just made it sound so interesting that yeah. that is how I ended up in procurement. Oh, I was just a lucky pick, yeah. and now I can't get out. No. Uh, <laughs> um, so this kind of a different route that I'll be taking just mm. for this question. Um, so there could be certain instances where you would pick a different like real life career pathway different to what you've studied mm. just because you've got limited options but let's think of someone who's actually losing interest in what they're studying because um, um people and culture and learning about people was something you've enjoyed mm. so i think that probably was what kept you pushing mm. um to actually end up getting the degree and mm-hmm. not like dropping out in between sure uh, but how how would we cater this to someone who's actually losing interest um in what they're studying do you has it ever happened to you at any point oh i mean every day yeah. well not quite every day but like i think at various points in your life you can lose track of the big picture and what's immediately in front of you it might be impossible to kind of see or find a way forward whether that's you're not currently enjoying your degree and you're not quite sure what to do next or uh, you're not sure if the job that you have picked is necessarily the one for you um, I would the advice that I would give is if you're not enjoying your degree you can change yeah it's quite drastic uh, and it did require me being at university for longer than you know the three years it takes to normally graduate. Yeah. Um, so that option is obviously not for everyone. But uh, another piece of advice maybe I would give is don't lose sight of the bigger picture. So if you're not necessarily enjoying yourself now, if it's a means to getting to where you need to be, um, then it's just a case of accepting that that is your reality for right now but it might not be your reality for much longer yeah um you know i don't think many people graduate and you know end up loving the first couple of jobs that they have you know you've always got to kind of work your way up and find out what you like yeah um so yeah if you do have that bigger picture or that bigger plan then stay with it motivation kind of wanes comes and goes but yeah. if you know ultimately where you're looking to to end up then yeah don't lose sight of that yeah that's nice um so moving on from there actually um once you did graduate and um obviously the finally time, yeah once i did finally, finally. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah a long time mm. um so yeah um once you graduated and you found procurement as like your first job to take up mm-hmm. uh what were some of the challenges you faced in it um having not studied like theoretically studied mm. it um i'm sure i think reality and practical yeah. experience surpasses theory at most points um, but obviously as a fresh graduate there could have been challenges you faced and you definitely did overcome them mm. um based on where you are at your career right now so um yeah some of them thank you um, this is a good question because I remember what it was like on my, I remember my first day and it was not good. Um, So my manager came to pick me up from reception, gave me my laptop and my log on and that was it. Um, And so, you know, I was like, hey, so like, what is procurement? Um, What should I be doing? It takes a really long time to work out what you should be doing and even some days now 15 years on I've got no idea what's happening yeah you know and that's just the reality and everyone is just trying to figure it out but um some of the challenges definitely is just 
making sure people have the time for you. There's a lot that you can do to be self-serving and find things out yourself. Um, but ultimately, like if you can't even, you know, set up Outlook, yeah. which is where I was at um, as an arts graduate, yeah. um, there was a huge learning curve that I had to go on. And some of that is the responsibility of the organisation that's hired you. Oh, yeah. Some of that is obviously your own responsibility. And um, I really struggled on my training programme. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, I was quite vocal. <laughs> about not enjoying it to the yeah. point that they actually asked me to kind of design how to do it better so there was an awful lot more um like I developed a lot of kind of cheat sheets and yeah. um procurement is really bad for this but I think most um industries and jobs are like using three-letter acronyms but never actually having a source document for what those mean so like one of the things I developed when I was a grad was like a glossary of terms um, for people coming in because you know every business every industry every profession seems to have its own language Um, that was a huge challenge for me that I hope by sort of creating that for the next person it wasn't as big a hurdle to overcome Um, and then also there are a lot of challenges around um, sticking up for yourself there were lots of instances early on in my career where uh, people could tell that you were a bit junior and they wanted to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. um, so kind of understanding your own self-worth and what you believe in and will stand up for. Yeah. Uh, it's a really difficult um, environment to navigate, first joining an organisation, like office politics. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it is absolutely everywhere. Um, and I think you can either kind of choose to, to play the game or just not really be interested in the game. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely took the latter path. I don't know if that's necessarily served me uh, as well as maybe choosing to play the game as much. But um, uh, I, a common theme in the challenges that I found in being in procurement is I, I didn't do a finance degree, um, which now that I've been in it for 15 years, you know, it doesn't matter that much. But um, I definitely get feedback from when I had category roles with suppliers or, you know, in interviews that I'm not your average procurement professional. Like a lot of um, people who historically have been in procurement have been engineers. They love a process. Uh, I'm more kind of relationship based. And a huge challenge that I had right at the beginning was that... Um, not necessarily square peg round hole, but I don't think I was necessarily what they thought yeah. they were getting. Oh yeah. Um, and now that I've been working for as long as I have been, I've cho- chosen to use that to my advantage, my differences. Um, but definitely in the beginning, they were by far my challenges. Like I wasn't your typical finance graduate. Oh, okay. Cool. Um. The things you've studied in anthropology, mm. I wouldn't say anthropology specifically because I personally I believe that whatever the learnings are, um, wherever at whatever point in your life they mm. do become beneficial whenever. Um, so for someone who is skeptical about um, their current degree not being valuable to whichever pathway they choose in mm. the future, um, what are some of your experiences that could kind of counterattack that and be like, no, it's important. Um. So I would say that a degree is just a degree. I'm not trying to minimise 
uh, getting a degree because it's hugely important and, and valuable but there are also people I've worked with in my career that don't have tertiary yeah. qualifications and they're you know further along in their career or you know more qualified than I am to do the job that we currently do but if you want to continue with a degree that you don't enjoy go for it but I, I would just say keep going if you graduate with a degree where you don't know what you're going to end up doing that's also okay a degree is just uh, an example to use to a future employer that you have been able to spend three years or if you're me more yeah. than three years um, in an educational institution you are able to go to lectures and hear what the lecturer's got to say write your notes take a test or write a, an essay that you know reflects the learnings that you have it's all kind of part of the the process um you know whether you end up graduating with a degree in engineering versus you know an arts degree but you're both then going for a role yeah. to me as someone who's now hired a lot of people yes I do look at where they went to university and what they studied but mainly just from a, a I'm interested yeah. point of view I, I don't uh, I've never disqualified uh, anyone from the recruitment process because of a degree that they did or didn't do yeah. uh, and I certainly see it in lots of job um, descriptions um, that I'm looking at at the moment that people say, oh, you need to have a degree, it would be preferable if it was in this kind of thing. I don't I don't buy into that. I think, you know, when you go to university, you're, what, 18 years old? Yeah. 19 years old? Maybe. I mean, who at 18 knows what they're going to do for the rest yeah. of their life? I didn't. I still don't. I took a shot in the dark, got it wrong, changed course, graduated, and here I am. It's not... It matters as much as it matters at that point in time, right? Like the exams that you take to get to university feel like they're the most important things in the world yeah. at that moment in time. You then go to university to study the subject that you, you think you want to study because it's going to get you to A, B or C. That really matters at that moment in time. They're all just stepping stones. Um, so yeah, if you're listening and you're not interested in your degree at the moment, but you've only got a certain period of time left, or interested is maybe not the right word, um, it, does, it means as much as you want it to mean. You know, go out, get industry experience, go to networking things, speak to people um, who work in the job that you think you might want to end up in. Um, there are so many avenues and pathways to, to getting jobs. It's not all just about your degree. Although we work at Melbourne University, so I feel like I should say it's all about your degree. <laughs> and come to Melbourne, it's great. And didn't I say she has great food? <laughs> um, but yeah... Thanks for that. I guess most of us needed to hear it. Because, mm. um, yeah, probably most people listening to the podcast right now are contemplating on what they should be doing. I don't know, maybe this week, I mm. guess, in the next hour or so. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I personally believe that um, everything you've said is what actually happens in real life. Oh, so, that's yeah. okay. Um, I would also say it's okay not to have all the answers. No one actually does. And if yeah. people say that they do, um, they're lying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going on from there, um, mm. after you started your career, um, are you able to share some of the highlights or some of the experiences you had um, where you finally you felt like you found your ground, mm. you found your standpoint and this is what you want to be doing? Because um, given the fact that you've been in procurement for 15 years, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there had definitely been um, instances. Highs and lows. Yeah, highs and lows <coughs> for sure. But I guess the highs were strong enough 
um, to let you have continued in this mm. industry for as long as you have. Yeah. Um, so are you able to share some of those experiences um, just so that we are able to relate and mm. you know, okay, if this is what I'm feeling, then maybe yeah. what I'm doing is the right thing. I would say that the biggest thing for me is time. Like, you need time to settle in, you need time to understand um, about your role, if it's for you. Like, you might have a gut feeling and that's probably not going to be wrong, but I I think for me, doing my grad program just felt like an absolute whirlwind. I felt like I never had my feet firmly planted on the ground, um, mainly for the reasons that I kind of spoke about um, like a couple of minutes ago, but probably it took for me to change jobs or to get my first job off of the grad program to actually kind of believe in myself but you know it's kind of all self-fulfilling in that you know you have a bit more time you get a bit more confidence you get a bit more experience you get a bit more confidence like you get to try new things that brings more confidence like there's a whole kind of uh theme and um like you know reason for it but I think the, the highs for me, I was so fortunate that the grad program that I got into, which by the way, I don't think I would have got on if um, I was up against all of you guys and everything that you guys do to, to get onto programs these days. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a global program. I worked for a global company. I got to see uh, and speak to people all around the world. Uh, doing things procurement gives you a really good kind of helicopter view as to how organizations are run not only the organization that you work for but then the categories that you manage the suppliers that you work with kind of how their organizations run so you have a really good understanding as to like what's happening in the market in your little pocket of of the world for sure so I think that kind of kept it interesting um i've never had like a full term a full plan for um what i wanted to do and where i wanted to go next but every job that i've had i've always wanted to work either for a different company or in a different kind of industry and if the industry wasn't different then in a different category so so the only kind of decision that i had every time i moved roles or jobs was to just go and do something a bit different yeah and I think that also keeps things interesting. My, my hat goes off to people who kind of have worked in the same job for, for years oh, and yeah. years. The, the difference is what kind of have, has kept the energy yeah. going for me. And then, you know, you just, with that, again, you get a little bit more experience. You realise that actually it's the same wherever you go. Yeah. Uh, you get a bit more um, accustomed to politics of things like in the more places you go and work for so there's a lot of benefits to staying uh, in the same organization but early on in my career I think every couple of years I changed whether that's internally or um, across to a different company and I feel like that's a good thing to do. Yeah that's great. Um, Drawing a bit from the um, response you gave for the um, question so um, when it comes to sort of swapping with between organizations it's obviously um different work culture mm. and different environment so um it could sort of be related to our lives as well whereas you know we make different shifts and swifts within our university career mm-hmm. it might not be as dynamic as it is in the real world but obviously i think it's got its own highs and lows and goods and bads um, so what do you think are some of the disadvantages and the challenges that you should look out for 
um, especially when changing between organisations? Again, I think, you know, my answer to all of these questions would be it depends because, um, yeah. you know, it really does depend. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the challenges, it's probably easier to get more money if you move jobs externally. I mean, that's always been my experience uh, and a lot of my colleagues and friends experiences too. Uh, if you move around, a challenge could be uh you, you build up a certain amount of like IP and uh, when you're in an organization and you're doing the job, everyone else knows what you're doing. Whereas when if you move, you kind of start from the beginning again. Yeah. So you have to take a bit of time to kind of build your brand up again. People have to understand like what you've done, what you're currently doing. So you do have to take you do take a little bit of a step back in terms of branding, if that's the way to summarize it. Um, so yeah, there's a few different variables, I guess, that you have to offset. You probably get a bit more money, but you have to kind of start again. Um, you know, you have to learn the roles, the ropes, the suppliers, all of that kind of stuff again. So that's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, procurement is procurement regardless of where you work. Like yeah. the kind of objectives of what you're there to do are, are very, very similar. Um, you know, it's not like I've also changed profession as well as organisation. So, yeah. you know, you kind of have to learn uh, the different organisational values and you might have to slightly change approaches. Like um, when I moved from working for a global bank, I went to go and work for a UK supermarket yeah. um, because they had just become sponsors of the Paralympic Games and it was all very exciting, high energy, and I'd moved into the marketing space. But um, the way that they did procurement there was incredibly different the way that they kind of ranked their suppliers, um, interacted with their supply base was very, very different. So you kind of have to apply a slightly different skill set depending on what that department um, focuses on. So at the Global Bank, we did an awful lot of tenders. It was all very dynamic. We put things through um, auction tools and uh, you know all of the stuff that was the procurement thing du jour um, back in the day and then when I moved to Sainsbury's which is the supermarket I work for they um, didn't do any tenders and they just yeah. wanted to sit down with their suppliers and have more of a relationship based conversation around what could they do to kind of extend the contract so uh, it's also it's a challenge because you're having to draw on different skill sets which depending how far along in your career you are you know you've got experience with but um, you know ultimately it, it, it's a good thing yeah. um because you're getting to try on yeah exactly yeah. um but it's yeah it's definitely a challenge to kind of switch from your day-to-day -day job being one thing that you're focusing on to then switching to focus on something else yeah um but again you're just collecting broader and broader skills to, to help you further along your career path oh yeah for sure um, before we move on to our next question, I'm just going to take this as a moment to make a point. Um, mm -hmm. Even though this conversation was mostly about um, bringing out and projecting the challenges you faced, um, it's mostly because um, I think the challenges a very successful person and also a very experienced person has faced has a lot that can be taken out mm -hmm. and that can be um, communicated with other amateurs who are trying to figure out what they need to be doing yeah yeah so um all of these challenges that um Kiri's been experiencing they are definitely to project the um how much experience and how successful and how comfortable 
and how proficient she is in her career right now. So, um, you're too kind, thank you. Um, yeah, like, and it's also okay not to have it figured out. Like, yeah. you know, I don't have a plan for what's next, I, I just tend to try and enjoy what I'm currently doing. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know, it's also okay if you don't know that either. Yeah, that's nice. Um, on a final note mm. to um, bring our podcast to conclusion. Um, we'll just speak about the industry you're in right now, mm. finance and procurement. Um, definitely a very male-dominated industry, but um, definitely we've seen instances where the male uh, voice could overpower, um, and Katie's been at the top of, her, of, of the ladder. Um, so how have you sort of found your ground and your voice? within this industry? That is a great question. Um, Not quite top of the ladder, but thank you for putting me there. And a couple of rungs down from the top (laughs) of the ladder. But um, yes, look, I am in a a leadership position here. Um, How have I found my voice? My goodness, uh, you just have to try it on for size. You, in management positions, I think it is so important for you to understand what your values are because they will be tested and challenged most days. Um, finance is predominantly, I, I mean, I think it is quite a male-dominated area. Procurement itself, I think I would say, is more 50-50. Yeah. Where procurement isn't, though, is the procurement leadership. Yeah. And it's like all other professions. Um, I was reflecting on this um, when we agreed to have this conversation, that I do think I've had more female bosses then I have male bosses, yeah. um, which I think is great. Uh, and I've also had a lot of female leaders um, that I have really looked up to in this industry. But every job that I've worked at, I've always been very aware of um, the gender divide, so whether that be pay, whether that be, you know, do we have enough females in leadership positions? I'm really fortunate that the leadership team that um, I am a part of is a 50-50 split. Um, I know that that's not always the way, um, but that does not mean that, you know, I, like everyone else, have not had their uh, issues and struggles. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely something that, you know, in the 15 years that I've been working, I've seen more and more focus on. I don't know that I um, I believe organisations are doing enough. Like, it's not just a, you know, procurement or a finance thing. Uh, if there's anyone listening to this that's looking you know between two different organizations that has a job offer like maybe have a look at what they're doing with their diversity quotas and stuff and don't be afraid to maybe not in your first interview but maybe second or third uh challenge them what they're doing in that space um because i think all organizations could be doing better and it's you know frustrating because it shouldn't always be on females to push the conversation forward um, but it does tend to be uh, all kind of um, committees that I've sat on and um, jobs that I've had about uh, equality. It's always been a very female-dominated committee, yeah. and that that to me is the wrong way of looking at it. Like we already we know yeah. <laughs> the bridge that we need to gap. Yeah. Um, we need men to get on board. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's great to hear that um, because especially something that most um, fresh graduates or even 
those that are in their quasi later years mm. in their careers, something they face is um, finding their own voice regardless of which gender mm. is that's dominating the career. Mm. So um, it's great to hear that you've had that support and that backing up and yeah, um, that's nice. Mm. Um, it's, it takes time though, right? Like when you asked about finding your voice, I'm still finding it. Yeah. You know, there are situations that come up, I mean, not quite daily, but you know, situations that come up where you realize that this is something that you need to fight for. You know, I've got a couple of examples of things I'm working on at the moment with people who work for me that, um, you know, I'm really passionate and I care about making sure that they get the best outcome possible. But I've also recently become aware, a very live example, um, but I have to speak in code, that, um, you know, not all people managers care about equality yeah. uh, and being treated fairly. Um, so it really does, uh, early on in your career, but always, it really does matter who you work for. Yeah. Um, and you, you get a sense when you go for interviews, kind of, you know, the person who's going to be your manager is the person who's probably going to be interviewing you. Uh, it's okay if you don't think that it's a good fit. You might really care about the organization and the organization's values, but if you don't get on with your manager, you can either request to kind of change and have a different manager, but um, if you can find someone who really enjoys people management, that matters a lot in the beginning whilst you're still trying to find your feet. Yeah. But I have been reminded of it recently that it actually matters throughout your entire career. You might not need them for the same reasons, yeah. but you need to find someone who's going to champion you. You need to find someone who's going to listen um, and, and treat you as a human being because you'd be really surprised that that doesn't happen always. Yeah. I went off on a bit of a tangent, but it's a, a real example that I'm currently living. So yeah. I thought it is a good idea to share. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, with that, actually, we've come to an end of our <gasps> podcast. Time um, flies honestly. when you talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks so much, Katie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, when I was just, um, just gotta say this, um, to end things off as closing remarks, but yeah, when I was brainstorming on whom to have in our podcast, um, yeah, I wasn't particularly looking for anyone who could fit in with this theme, but I wanted to bring Katie along, <laughs> so I made a theme um, <laughs> that could sort of highlight her and her career. So, um, yeah, great to I'm have you. honored. Yeah. Wow, I have my own like genre of <laughs> podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for your time, and um, I and we wish you the best of luck with your career, and um, hope you continue to inspire and motivate young brains like us. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bow Talks. Please do follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Banking on Women. Thank you, everyone. Bye.